Welcome to the Finding Moments Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Moments Podcast. And today we've got a good one for you. Today we're going to be talking about screen time. I don't know that anybody solved the puzzle of this yet, but we're exploring it and we're basing it on two books. The first one we have is called Reset Your Child's Brain. And the second one is called Glow Kids. And we'll make sure to get links over to those exact books so you can take a look for yourself. Let's have a heart to heart on how big of a problem this is. What do you think? I don't think that science has an exact handle on it. There's still a lot of research being done. I know when the DSM came out, the revised version in 2013, they did not make it an official disorder, but they did put it in the research disorders that were being researched for possible addition later. And what they called it was internet gaming disorder. Interesting. And what remind us, what does DSM stand for? This is a diagnostic statistic manual. It's used for the American Psychology Association and Psychiatric Association. You know, I think there's also a lot discussion too about a mental disorder versus behavioral disorders too. And when you look at this to be something that is more in line with behavior change, creating a behavior and establishing behavior. So I think there is a lot of science still looking at it. But if you look at recent research since 2013, it is definitely overwhelming and the effects that it's having on children, you know, the American Pediatrics Association has put out their guidelines now saying if you're under 24 months, you should not be exposed to any screen time. Early children under five have a different, totally different limit because what they're seeing now is it does have effects on development and does cause developmental delays if you have too much exposure to it. Now, I think you have to balance it, right? You can't navigate the world we live in without looking at a screen. Like that would be really hard to do to get by even function. So a lot of learning happens via screen time. I think that there is this balance of you have to know how to use these tools, but what is too much and what kind of screen time may be more of a concern than others. That was something that really struck me about Reset Your Child's Brain. The author talks a lot about passive versus active screen time. And I believe those are terms that she has coined herself, but it really made a lot of sense. Passive screen time being television and movies, active screen time being video games, apps, anything that requires you to be interactive with it. That does have a psychological foundation that we know, like there are different things that are more passive activities versus active activities, those that engage your brain and those that you're more of an observer rather than a participant. And those do require obviously a different type of mental interaction too, right? Because you have to make decisions if you're an active participant. I think that what's interesting about the video games is that some of these games really use behavioral concepts that are also used in gambling. And if you look at the way they design gambling machines or even some of the uh, things they do in the environment to encourage gambling, those things are also happening very deliberately in video games. So, you know, when we look at reinforcement, for example, we know if we want to teach somebody something, we want a lot of reinforcement initially. Like you want to encourage the learner and say, this is the behavior I want. This is the behavior I want and reinforce that. And then to maintain a behavior, we want reinforcement. If you really want to do it the right way, you use what we call variable reinforcement, where it's going to come intermittently. And the idea is I'm just going to 
have this constant state of engaging in this behavior because I know my reinforcement's coming at some point and I don't want to miss it. So while you can use it to teach all of these wonderful things and to do good, you know, people are using it in these video games. And if you think about playing them, if you've ever played level one, it's a lot easier, right? Get to rack up a lot of reinforcement easily. <laughs> and then as you go level up, it gets a little harder and the reinforcement doesn't come as consistently, but then there's this desire to get it. <laughs> I want to beat this level. I want this reward. And so they're really tapping into some behavioral techniques when they design these games. Well, it's putting you in a constant state of fight or flight, a constant state of arousal to where you can't rest your brain. And it's giving you, the thing that I found fascinating in, in Glow Kids was it's giving you a constant reward system to your brain that you never turn off. And these reward systems, your brain's designed to experience it for a few minutes at a time, not 12 hours. And I think that's what's different right now with the video games. And you've got, you're absolutely right. The casinos are experts at this. They'll dump in oxygen into the lobby rooms. They've got the blinking lights. They're designed to keep you up all the way down to the type of food that is served late night so that you keep playing. Now, these video games do it in a different way. They're creating this autonomous world that you can go in, you can have friends, you can look like anything or anyone that you want to look like within it, and you found community. And it's a safe harbor, at least you think. And so parents get tricked into this. Oh, yeah, the kid's being good. I've got a couple hours of downtime. Wait, wait, Trish and I do this. How long have they been playing? And then you've got to kind of stop and try to pull them off. And what scares me more is the pulling them off the video game and the reaction. And when I'm reading the books and seeing, yeah, I recognize that booty, aggressive, not the sweet kids. And when you see it in a tween or a teen, that's one thing you kind of expect it. But when you're seeing that type of teenage behavior in a six or seven year old, that's scary. Teenagers, you know, they, they have a lot of the hormone things are fluctuating and they're working through a lot. Um, so irritability is a certain level of irritability is expected, but then you magnify it with this. And then you have like the kids throwing the game controller across the room. I, I've heard parents tell me about broken TVs and they're not really thinking about like, if I lose that TV, I, you know, they're not thinking in the future. I clearly can't play on the TV anymore. They're just a moment reacting. And I think it's kind of almost for parents, it almost seems like when you first give it to them, oh, they're calm because they're not moving around. They're glued to that TV. Odd kind of calm because you can talk to them and they don't hear you. They are so into that game and they're they're so zoned in and hyper-focused on what's happening mentally. They lose the world around them. Time doesn't mean anything to them anymore. That's really not what we call downtime or calming. But it does have a initial look of like, oh, well, they're being still, they're not fighting with their sibling or they're not, you know, running through the house or kind of an unquieting stillness, I guess. I think one of the things that really stands out as well is how the military is using video games to help wounded soldiers, especially burn patients. And they've created a frozen penguin game, and I'm paraphrasing, but it They've created this game that can be a calming effect, and the science shows that it has the same effect as morphine does without the side effects of morphine. So you're tricking your brain into a state of calmness or trance, which clearly can have its benefits in that application, but what's it doing to our kids? I think that that's where you kind of get into, there has to be a balance there. It's not that 
all screen time is bad. It's what kind of screen time you're using and what your goal is. So, you know, kids are able to learn and be educated, you know, using screen time and apps and video games. There's a lot of amazing training the military does for flight training. You know, these are practical, useful applications of it. I also think like you're talking about, Chad, that's, I didn't know about that. That's very interesting. And I don't remember it in the book. Um, it's been a while since I read that one, but I think too, when you're in a state of hyper-focus, so just kind of what you do with meditation and mindfulness, right? You get your mind so hyper-focused that you're not, you're letting go of some of these other things. So people will do it biofeedback as an example, um, where they can really use that to treat pain and other disorders. So I think that there are positive aspects of it, but you're right. Do you want your children to be exposed to something that might have similar effects? I don't think, I don't know of any app out there for children that has those type of effects. It sounds like this was very specifically designed, but we do know it can have an effect and there's definitely clear research out there. And last year in 2020, NIH did an interesting study And they said the two main components they had found that made children more susceptible to having the side effects, I guess, if you will, of screen time was impulsivity and the amount of screen time. Those two things were really big factors in the research that they had done. When you think about it, kids are impulsive. That is something that they're learning. You know, executive functioning skills are things that you learn and develop over time. Being able to wait and be patient and have self-regulation is something like kids are not born with. So you're exposing them to something that is taking advantage of the fact that they don't have that yet and stunting that growth, you know, by exposing them to it. So it is something to consider. And I think the amount of screen time is important. You know, definitely the research that's come out in the last several years shows that it has an impact enough so that there are guidelines like I said, for the American Pediatrics, for children all the way through their teens on how much screen time they should have. I read through Reset Your Child's Brain and Glow Kids. The author Reset Your Child's Brain advocates for cold turkey fast of any and all screen time, everything. Everything from television, school-related work, video games, movies, all of it gone for approximately three weeks and then to add it back in extremely small amounts. I'm intrigued by her idea. I felt like, and maybe maybe that approach is right for some kids, and it's draconian for others. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And she goes all the way down to Wi-Fi routers in the classroom and in the school and in your home and things that for, I know for us, where we live would be the equivalent of moving a mountain to get shut off or changed. I was curious to get your thoughts, Linnell, because I recognize some of the scenarios that are described in both books, in both of our kids. And it's creepy. At the same time, I feel like we need to strike a balance and we can't get rid of it completely. Uh, I think that when she's talking about the complete withdrawal, for some families, I think that that is is important. I think it's very hard, especially if you have multiple kids, it's very hard to figure out what your kid's baseline is. And a lot of times this is taken, it's kind of built up over time, right? It's not like your kids just started using electronics last month. So 
we don't really know what our child's baseline is without electronics. What would our child look like if they didn't have all of this additional stress and blue light and all of these exposures and how long they're on it? So adding this back in, I I do like the way she systematically adds it back in because the American Pediatric Association for Older Children says no more than two hours a day of screen time. We all know everybody's brain's different, right? Right. This allows you to individualize it for your child. So if you really do have a true baseline, you can say, okay, we went up to an hour and I'm seeing these behaviors come back. This, we need to back it up just maybe 15 minutes, you know, and then you're able to really titrate what works best for your kid. I think what's hard though, is you throw school into the mix and there's screen time at school. So how much screen time there? And then what we don't know is evaluating the types of screen time. We do know that a certain amount of blue light before bedtime totally disrupts sleep. Mm -hmm. The amount of blue light you receive throughout the day disrupts sleep. There's tons of evidence on that. Right. But we don't really, you know, know a lot of the details about the type of screen time. So in that, and they don't specify right now, like the American Pediatrics is not saying it's two hours of video gaming, but you can include typing on the computer. I take it a little differently. Like even with an allergy, what does a doctor do? If you have extreme allergies and you can't figure it out, they wipe out everything out of your diet and then they slowly add it back in. And I think that's the intent. Unfortunately, these books were written pre-pandemic and pre 24 hour video calls. I say that in jest, but we're, we're all tired of the screen. We're getting an intake and there is a point to where, okay, well, if they can go do a fun thing to offset the not fun thing, which is sitting on a classroom video call for five hours. Okay. I, I don't know that the, I don't think the technology is necessarily the problem other than there are very, very smart people hired by these companies to keep your kids addicted on the game. So that's where parents come in. It's our job to try to monitor and teach because adults have a hard time pulling themselves off the video games as these books have clearly demonstrated over and over again. And I think some personalities are more addicted to it than others. And you have to realize that within yourself, but we can't expect our children to have those tools if adults can't even do it. And we have to be sensitive to that. So I I can see Linnell in extreme cases where you have to pull everybody off. And I could see where that scenario could be a huge benefit. I'm just wondering if you can get to it early enough. And I guess that's the point of this podcast. Can you monitor it? We did it early with tech cards and tech tokens and in ways to you get 30 minutes and then you got to go outside and get some fresh sunlight. Is there a way to mitigate it before it gets that drastic? I think that that's becoming harder and harder because kids are exposed so early to electronics across the board. So you're not easing your child into electronics use. And the fact that the American Pediatric Association is saying, do not expose your you know, 24 months and below to electronics and screen time. It starts really early. I mean, you guys have probably seen the videos of like the, the little ones that can't even talk yet, go up to a magazine and they try to use it like it's an iPad. So it is starting so early that it's really hard to say, can you ease them into it or catch it early? I don't know that you can. If you walk into a classroom, our world is very technology-based. Classrooms now have smart boards. They don't have chalkboards. They don't have the whiteboards. That's a smart board. We really live in a world where it's all around us and it's hard to do that. And I think like if you have the ability to cut back that way. You have a true baseline. And I think it's more reinforcing as a parent sometimes to have that. 
because you can see the change and then you can add it back in and figure it out. You could do it the other way, right? Like you could start cutting back and seeing if things get better, but that might take longer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it may not be as accurate to do it that way. Right, right. So here's a question. Not all the time, but I would say, and please, everybody who's listening, do not get the idea that our kids are not on screens because they are. Oh my gosh. It's hands down our 12-year-old's favorite thing in the whole wide world. He is a collector. He has vintage systems and he'll tell you all kinds of things about them if you give him an opportunity. But in the instance of games that are played with others who are physically present. So I'm going to, you know, quantify that very specifically. So if his friend from down the street comes over and they're playing their DSs on the deck together, sometimes they include our seven-year-old, sometimes they don't. Is that type of play different in any way? Or is that, does that still create all of the bad side effects that can contribute to huge issues. So yeah, now when you're all together, like there's a social component, right? You're not socially isolated, but you're still, depending on what type of screen time it is, you're still exposing your brain to those being exposed to those triggers, those reinforcement triggers that make it feel addicting, that increase the dopamine in your brain. You're still getting exposed to that. You're just all getting exposed together. (laughs) And then you can see like with some of these games. So, and you, I don't know if you guys have experienced this yet, but when the kids are playing, they are connected via headset. And no, we haven't, we haven't gone down that road yet. So if you ever listen in on that, you can see the, you can hear, hear the aggression (laughs) Mm. um, that is happening as people play these games. Like that. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but some of them could definitely use, you know, like an R rating. <laughs> Great. Some of the conversations. So I think that, yeah, you have a social component there, which is great. It's not socially isolating. I'm not doing this instead, but you're also still sedentary, right? So you're mm-hmm. losing yeah. all of those opportunities to get up and move all the health benefits. So you're still having the physical impact that video gaming or screen time can have. And you still may be, depending on what you're playing, exposing yourself to something that's still going to be triggering a stress load. Sure. Hmm. But I think that if you feel like you're not having major impacts and your, your family feels good and you're able to spend family time and your kid can do a lot of other things, like their first go-to isn't always a video game, then you're probably in a good spot. If you feel like you're, it's irritability and you know, you're having fights over access to video game time and your child has lost interest in other activities, then maybe you should think about, maybe we should try to pull them out. And I will say that it is that three weeks and it does feel, it is, it is cold Turkey for the child. Right. But that week of preparation and planning that she recommends on the parent part. And she has that guide, like make sure you do these things and has a good checklist with the explanations of why you should do them really prepares the family for that. And she does say, don't tell your kid about two days ahead of time. Don't just go. Right. Oh, right. All electronics are gone right now, but not to give them too much warning because then you have the, well, I mean, the truth is the parent. Well, will you get the, we're not really going to do this already. Come on, maybe we can just do this. And so you go through days of that before your day, the event happens. Mm-hmm. Or can I get, I'm going to play all the screen time I can before we do this. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. 
So I think that that is invaluable if you're going to do it, that there has to be planning, there has to be support. And she does talk about examples in the book where obviously the kids are having exposure at school. Like Mm -hmm. there's things that they need to do at school that involves electronics. Kids do not handwrite papers anymore. Right. They're, They're all typed and turned in on Google Classroom. So I think that she doesn't expect that, but she's still seeing benefits in her practice with that interested to see what the change looks like in our family without it. There is a book that just came out this year and I haven't read it yet. That came out recently about screen time. So it might be more timely. I don't know if it addresses, you know, the pandemic that we've been through, but Mm -hmm. I have seen a lot of research and read a lot of articles about screen time during this period. And What's happening is, yeah, the kids are doing classroom virtually, Mm -hmm. but it's a different, it's a different type of screen time, right? Right. So they get done with class and they're like, I've done this all day. I want to go play Fortnite. And then they're actually kind of doubling up on screen time because they're using that as their leisure time after they've been on all day long. Yes. And I think too, in the pandemic, other things I've read, like when you're working and you're working from home and your boss says you have to have this done and this is your job and this is how you take care of your family financially. It does help to be able to hand your child an iPad so you can get through a meeting without being interrupted. Yes, absolutely. And then that builds up and you don't even realize it. Right. Your child's quiet. We're not getting into things. Yeah, you can fall into the trap. And that's that's one of the things. If you really want a wake-up call just for your own gut check, uh, have some fun and ask your kid what their best friend's favorite color is or what's their favorite food. I played 10 questions with our oldest, and he couldn't answer a single one of them. But he definitely knew you know, what the score was on the video game and how many times they beat each other. So I had a little fun on the deck, and I went out, and I, I asked his friend. I said, hey, what's your favorite color? Turquoise. What's your favorite food? I love blackberries. And our oldest was like, no, 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 stop, dad. But it was so <laughs> fun. It became a game with them both. And they started asking each other other questions. And so when I like backed off, they started talking about blackberries and their favorite color. So I think sometimes you can interject a little bit on just a gut check. Is that friendship based on a game or is it based on you actually like spending time with the other person? This issue was exacerbated by everybody being isolated from each other. Oh, absolutely. Adults and children have not had enough social time together. Just being out in outdoors, but with more people around felt really weird. It made me have a certain level of anxiety Mm -hmm. because I was not used to it. So I think that you know, we are going through an unusual time, but even before this, we know that the kids that were doing a lot of gaming weren't really establishing relationships the same way. And that has been something that has been researched and everybody's been keeping an eye on, so to speak, because if you don't have human interactions around a game, it's not based on your, I guess, emotional, social reciprocity you have between two people, then you do lose something like you lose a connection to someone. And when we talk about friendships and we talk about developing friendships, we are have relationships with people who we have connections to. We have things in common. We meet each other's needs. There's a good balance there, right? Relationships, you know, whether friendships or 
those pieces are really important. So what happens when kids grow up and their friendships are around our common interests is video gaming. This is what we always do. What will their future relationships be like? What will their personal relationships be like? Yeah, no, for sure. It's crazy, right? So we did a birthday party a couple of years ago and we wanted to go old school. So it was out, it was a camp out and a bunch of 10 year old boys that we put out the lawn chairs, bring your own lawn chair. We put a movie projector screen out there and we flashed two Marvel movies. So it's not like it's some movie that can't hold your attention. We could not hold their attention on a drive-in movie concept pre-pandemic because they all had the Game Boys out and were playing. And no matter how hard, like we had the popcorn, we had the candy, we did it up. It was a big to-do and they couldn't make it through 30 minutes. But it wasn't that they were playing with each other, interacting or roughhousing like you would think. It was on the screen. To me, I think, well, you know, I guess because I, I work with children, but I think their brains are just developing. How are they going to develop the tools that the adults have if we don't give them that opportunity? If we put them in a situation where their brains are so overtaxed, whether it's stress or too many things going on, how are they going to develop those tools that they need? How are they going to develop those executive functioning skills? When you say, Chad, I, they, your, your key, key words, because this is how you feel as like they have to have it. Like they, they had to have their DS. And then you think, well, why do you have to have that? After having read these two books, it's certainly something that I have become more cognizant of in my own behavior. And I really try, it's hard. And especially now as we're sort of kind of maybe climbing out of the pandemic, that was our only window to the outside. That was our only lifeline to others and what was going on. And so to kind of like be okay with putting that down and actually focusing on the people who are right in front of you, that's tough, but I think it's really important. And I hope that as things kind of level off and that we can establish something that works and that we have screen-free dinner or breakfast or lunch or whatever it happens to be for that particular day. I think we have to make more deliberate efforts. It takes some effort. We have to make the effort as parents and model it for the kids. And recognition is the first step. And there's something that our brother-in-law has a saying, if something is free, I'm thinking like Fortnite, then you're the product. What do they want from you? And that's such that, that that's such a head turner. And it just put it in perspective for me. And we're always cognizant of the things that are free for our kids because nothing's free now. So what are they mining from our children? Because they're a business as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good consideration. Yeah, I think that it is it is interesting how much we have just going on in our world around us. And I think it's hard for the adults sometimes to make that connection. It, it would be great that like if the want to is everybody just sitting down and being together. But mm-hmm. sometimes there's so many things, so much noise that that becomes a must-do rather than a want-to. And I think, how do you change that? We don't pretend to have the solution, but I think these are conversations that are good because parents should have them, families should have them, and hopefully you found this helpful.
If you like what you hear, please subscribe, follow us on social media, visit our website at finding-moments.com. And thank you so much for spending a little time with us. Bye. Bye. Talk to you next time.